least 500 boxes this year. Amen? It's a good thing. And if you've heard the story, we have um, one of our people here in our church that is literally from Ukraine who received one of these boxes when he was young. And believe it or not, it does make a difference. And uh, sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel of doing good. You just need to join a wheel that's already doing it well. And that is Operation Christmas Child. So I encourage you to do that. And last but not least, you see John and some other ushers walking around, part of our prayer team. They're giving out prayer requests. And this is huge to only believe. Every week, your prayers are prayed over, not just by the prayer team, but by the pastors of this church. And then they are held until the first prayer service of every month on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. when we meet. Don't think that if you write a prayer request down, it's being ignored at only believe. We are praying and standing in the gap for your children, for your health, for your healing, for your finances, for mental recovery. So please take the opportunity to fill out that prayer request card today. So stand to your feet. You know, I can't help but think that praise is a part of our tool belt. Praise is a weapon that you and I possess in order to renew what we think and how we perceive things in our life and what's happening. So today, I want you to look at your struggle. Um, everyone's got one here, whether it's big, whether it's small, chances are to you, it's big and it matters. I'm asking you to fight the battle that's going on in your life with the voice of praise and get the devil on the run. Begin to remind him through every worship song today, amen, that he is defeated and that our God lives. Come on, start with a hand clap today as we begin to declare the goodness of our Lord. Father, for you are worthy. You are mighty. You are magnificent. You are the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. You write our faith, God. You're the author and the finisher of it. We will stand and Fight this battle with praise. Amen.
God, we're not in a rush this morning. We're here to worship you. We're here to give you the praise that's due to you this morning. You're worthy of it all this morning. You are worthy. And I give you permission to interrupt my plans. I know yours are better than all the ones I have. I'm slowing down, I'm tuning out everything but you. There's no rush, you're welcome to take up all the room. I don't want to be in a hurry, I don't want time to get in the way. I just want to give you the space to move in this place. I don't want to be in a hurry, I don't want to miss what you want to say. I just want to give you the space to move in this place. I put aside distraction and lay down all my cares. I give you my attention, God, make me so aware that when you're near, like you are now, everything can change. And there's no you're welcome here to have your way. I don't want to be in a hurry. I don't want time to get in the way. I just want to give you the space to move in this place. I don't want to be in a hurry. I don't want to miss what you want to say. I just want to give you the space to move in.
make my heart pound when you fill the room. You're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would feel me.
when you fill the room. You're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would feel me. So come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would feel me. I know you will, I know you will, Holy Spirit, come on all over this place, let's lift our hands and worship, and begin to worship him with your words, begin to worship him, give him the adoration that's due to him, call him holy this morning, call him worthy this morning, he is worthy of every ounce of praise, Father you're worthy, you're worthy, Today, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I give you the highest praise. The highest praise. I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you. church let's sing he's worthy you are worthy of it all oh you are you are worthy of it all and from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory
may be surrounded, though we may be surrounded, to God be the glory. For the greater, the greater the battle, the greater the victory, and the greater glory goes to my God. Woo! Anyone would look at a situation that we're facing and say, how in the world can you be standing? How in the world would you be standing? And God would say, because I am your shield. I am your victory. Do not fear in the face of the enemy, for our God has never lost a battle. Woo! I feel like I could just preach on that and not even need to go into an offering. But how many of you know that the offering is a part of our worship to God? It's where we get a chance to trust in Him and put our faith in Him and what He says about our money. I'm reminded in Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them, he's talking about Adam and Eve, and He said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over, rule over the fish, in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on this ground. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it. Rule over this world. But here's the thing. He didn't say that we were to own it. See, that's the problem. You and I learned from a very early age that that's mine. What you and I have been given in the area of finances is not ours. Because God gave us the ability to work and to make money to rule over the things of this earth and subdue it. But he tells us how to live according to the scripture. He tells us how to rule over our money. He tells us how to make it work for us. But it only works if you use his law to do it. There's kingdom laws that you and I are to partake of. That's why we believe and only believe in tithing. And tithing is 10% of what we earn. And we do this and we give it to God first because it's not ours to own. But we give our 10% back to the owner. Not because he needs our 10%, but because he needs you to need him and to trust him. And by putting that 10% in his hands first, even though we've got other plans for that 10%, I could think of a lot of better things to do in my own mind. But that would be me owning my own money. And God wants me to acknowledge that he's the owner and I'm just the steward of what he's given me. So my question is to you this morning, in your tithe and your offering, do you allow God to be the one that owns your money and you just steward it? And if so, are we a good steward and are we doing what God's word has commanded us to do? Sometimes it's easy to come up with our own ownership. So I challenge those who might have been challenged. I remember when Randy and I were first married, things got a little tight. Two weeks before we were married, Randy got fired from his job for moonlighting on the side. We didn't know when we were 18 that that was a conflict of interest. We just thought if you worked at a paint store, you could paint on the side. A lady asked him, so he said, sure. He didn't think there was anything wrong with that. 
But into our marriage, if the painting job wasn't there, things would get tight. And so if you didn't learn to store a little bit back for those rainy days, you didn't have enough to make it. And so I remember going to Randy and I said, honey, I said, this week, we've got enough money for everything, but this is all we have left and I haven't bought groceries. So the question is, do we pay tithe or do we have groceries? And he said, well, sweetheart, that's an easy question to answer. And I said, it is, and I was struggling. I'm gonna be honest with you because this was the first time we'd been married that we didn't have enough to meet our needs. And he said, this is easy, we're gonna tithe. And I said, yeah, but what about food? He said, we're going to your mom, call her. (laughs) But I didn't wanna go to mom and eat her food. I wanted God to provide, right? I didn't, but the only way that provision was gonna come if I was obedient with the provision God had given me to already be obedient with. So I learned early on in our marriage that we're gonna tithe no matter what. And then we're going to mom's house. (laughs) Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we get to tithe. We thank you, Lord, that you've provided a way, Father, to steward the things of the kingdom. Father, I ask, Lord, that you continue to foster in us the right heart and the right mindset, Father, that we would be faithful with the little things, God, that we could be granted much. God, that you could flow through us with your finances. Flow through us, God, and not us hang on to every dime. But God, that you could get your kingdom's work done through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can bring your tithes and offerings this morning, and then we're going to get into the word. Hallelujah. Are you? Well, glory. How you doing this morning, overcomers? Warriors of the cross. Victorious. Devil masters. Hallelujah. Praise God. Those that Hold down the strongholds and set the captive free. Hallelujah. Don't ever doubt who you are. Doubt the accusations of who you're not. Amen. You are the people of God. You are the children of God. And whether he likes it or not, we have already been declared victorious over all that we do. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. How many of you mowed your yard yesterday? I did until I ran half my mower into the pond. 
but Phyllis is going to help me pull it out today. So, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Praise God. All righty, let's turn our Bibles today to John 8, 31 through 32. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory. We live in an ever-changing world. I mean, our world and our perspective, our financial status, our marriage status, our work status can change in a moment of time. One day, you can go looking for something and it's closed up. The other day, Lincoln and I went to get some wings from an African place in uh, Sydney, and there was a Mexican place moving in. We said, no, we just called to get some wings. And they said, well, you can't call here because we don't have wings. So they told us the place had shut down. I seen the other day it was still open. So... Everything can change very quickly. Amen? And if we don't use our faith, then life can run us by. John 8.31, it says this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now that reveals two things to me. That number one, that we could be bound and have the answer, but not know where it was. It says that you could know the truth, and you shall be free. In other words, you could be bound. You could be hindered. You could be struggling about something in life. And unless you knew the truth and applied it, then you would still be bound even though it was God's will for you to be free. Amen? The truth shall set you free. So there are areas that people can be bound. And we are constantly changing from glory to glory. We are constantly putting off the old man and putting on the new man. We are constantly in transition in life, coming to the end that Christ is in us so that the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us. And so we have to realize that the truth, somebody say the truth, the truth shall set you free. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're bound by, if you can find a promise, if you can find something that God said and put your faith with it, nothing can keep you bound, isolated, or limited. Could I get an amen? I mean, we as Christians 
need to decide that we're going to live like people from another world because we are people from another world. We're not common people. We've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We're not common citizens from this earth. We are common citizens of heaven. We've been born twice, once of the natural and once of the spirit. But you and I are not common, and our outcomes are not supposed to be typical, run-of-the-mill. We are not to be ordinary. We are to be perceived and seen as extraordinary or extreme people that live for the victories that God has given us. Now, they're ours. Somebody say, they're ours. And so the truth will set you free. So that's why it's important that you and I search the Scriptures, find out what is ours, what God said about us, so that we can live a life of freedom. And that brings us into the abundant life. Somebody said, well, I don't know if Jesus wants me to have abundant life. He said that he came to give you life and it more abundantly. And so Jesus' will is that you live in freedom. Amen? Not limited by the old man, not struggling because of the old man. So truth mixed with faith will change fact. One thing that faith never does it never denies that they are in a battle. It never denies information. But it does acknowledge a higher truth than that which we see. Amen? That which we see is changeable. And that which we don't see is not changeable. In other words, God's Word does not change. It does not or can it ever be altered. Amen. And so we want to make sure that we understand that no matter what comes against us, the Bible says that we are not to be shaken by sudden changes. So when facts change, even on a telephone, hey, I just want to tell you I'm not coming home tonight. I'm suing you for divorce. Well, that's a terrible thing to do, especially over the telephone. But people do it all the time. People break relationships. People quit jobs. People sell their houses. People make bad decisions. The other day I seen a guy that had a T-shirt on and said, I'm an expert in making bad decisions. And uh, lots of people are. But we're going to look at today that we, as people of the kingdom of God, are people that can change that which usually paralyzes other people. We can change those facts. Amen? Amen. All right, let's turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, 
and verse 3. Remember, faith mixed with truth will change fact. That's why we are never fearful. That's why we are not intimidated. That's why we do not bow our knees to things that come suddenly into our life. I'm telling you, you don't have to be intimidated by the devil or by information or by fact, medical or scientific. We don't have to be bound by that. We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to be fearful of that. Amen? We should know this. We need to know the truth. Therefore, it takes away all questions of what's going to come out in the end. But if we don't know the truth, then facts can gain superiority. Amen? That's right. All right, Romans 12, 3, it says this. For I say unto you through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure, the measure of faith. Now there are different measures of faith for different things in the kingdom. But when he's talking here, it's talking about that God gives to every man because he's not a respected person, because every promise is yea and amen in the Lord, that God gives us the measure of faith. Now, what will that measure of faith do? First of all, it will allow us to partake of eternal life. It will allow us to cast out devils. It will allow us to lay hands on the sick. It will allow us to minister and to carry out the purpose that God has for you and I. And so that measure of faith has been given to you. Somebody say, given to me. Now, if it's given to you, it no longer belongs to the person that gave it to you right God doesn't give us something and then take it back God gives us something and he expects us to take ownership of it so here we understand that faith is given to you and I and it's given to us to use at our discretion that means we're responsible for not allowing sin to get into our life, to hamper, to hinder uh, faith. It tells us that you and I are to live in righteousness, and faith is what helps us to do that, and we have a measure. There's nothing wrong with your faith. Come on, there's nothing wrong with your faith. You may not be as skillful as someone else with it but there's nothing wrong with the measure that has been given to you and it will keep you and preserve you until the day of the fullness of your redemption 
it will keep you. The, the devil just cannot snatch you out of your father's hand. You are in your father's hand and nobody is taking you out of there except you. Amen. The devil cannot just throw us around like a rag doll and strip us and, you know, entice us and deceive us. No, he can't do that. That's only when faith is not alive. Amen. All right, let's go to Mark 5, 34. This is talking about a woman that has been to the doctor for 12 years. She's had an issue of blood. And that issue of blood, we know that life is in the blood. So she could have all types of issues, not just the sickness, but those issues that would come out of that sickness or that was born out of that sickness. And so she had been going to a doctor for 12 years, different doctors. You know, people refer, people say, oh, I found a wonderful guy and the only person he's ever really helped is the person that told you about it. And uh, he, he just doesn't have any answers. And in fact, the Bible said every time she went to the doctor, she just rather grew worse. I don't know about you. I'd have quit going. But she kept going. And then the Bible says this. She gets out and she says in herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, talking about Jesus, she understood spiritual things. Israel was not an ignorant nation. They understood transference of spirits because of the 70 elders, because of the prophets in the land. They understood that things were generational. They understood lots of things that we as Christians really don't give much weight to. And anyway, this woman understood that that which he has, I need. And all I need to do is touch the hem of his garment, and I will be whole. So, and it says, and he said unto her, after she touches him, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, be whole of thy plague. Now, she has a plague, she has a disease, but Jesus tells her that thy faith, not the faith of God, not the faith of Jesus, not the power of Jesus, not anything like that, your faith has made you whole. See, your faith has been given to you so that you can live the life that God wants you to live. Notice the fact is that she has a plague. That's a fact. It's been well rooted in her life for 12 years. But Jesus said, your faith. So in other words, your faith can be used for life's problems. Come on. 
Hallelujah. It could be used for your life's problems. Jesus said in Mark 4, 34 on down, when he told the disciples, let us go to the other side. Well, we know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus has infused these men with faith. And they are to use their faith to reach the other side. Now, I don't know if Jesus knew a storm was going to come, but what I do know is that once faith was deposited, that there was nothing capable of stopping those individuals. But later, Jesus says, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Don't let the devil intimidate you, telling you that you're going to have the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is not up to the devil. It is up to you as an individual using your faith. Amen. And so Jesus asked them the question, where is your faith? In other words, he realistically expected them to use what had been put in them on the shores of that lake. And he said, why are you so fearful? Intimidation. Making something look bigger than it was. Well, they ended up getting to the other side, and they asked themselves among themselves who is this man that can calm storms he is the man that used his faith he is the man that dealt with fact and changed it to bring liberty to their life and you as a believer have this same type of faith Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith and what he done with his faith, he reveals to us what you and I can do with our faith. Amen. Hallelujah. In John 9, 1, Jesus runs into a man that is almost, I guess maybe he would be without a dream. He was a blind man. Now, he was born blind from his mother's womb. Wasn't an accident or anything like that. He was born blind. Jesus comes in contact with him. Now, he knows the fact because the disciples say, well, you know, hey, he's blind. Did him or his parents or his father sin? And Jesus said, no, no. Not everything is about sin. Lots of things happen because you're right in the middle of God's will and the devil attacks you. Amen? 
Jesus was attacked by the devil. He was, a, he was tempted by the devil. He had to deal with storms. He had to deal with needs. He had to deal with all of the pressures of the people pulling on him and wanting miracles. But you know what? He never sinned in his life. But the devil still attacked him. And sometimes you can be right in the middle of God's will and you suffer attack by the devil. Now, you know if you're in sin or not. If you are, then I would encourage you to get out of it. Get out of it. But if you know that you're not, judge yourself. Don't be condemnative. But look at yourself. If you don't have sin in your life, then start fighting the devil. Amen? Let's change things and let's let facts start being defeated and victory starting to be seen. Now, I want you to realize what I'm telling you. You have faith to activate with this right here. Now you can stay right where you're at. You could be like the woman with the issue of blood. You could be like the 12 disciples in the middle of the storm, and you can go down with the ship, or you can follow the example of the author of faith, and you can change facts. Because of your faith. I'm just telling you that most of our problems could be defeated in a week if we would simply apply our faith. Amen? So let's start using our faith to change the facts. Well, Jesus spoke to this man, and he said, I want you to go, and I want you to wash in the pool of Shalom. And he makes a mud as he spits into the dust of the ground, and he puts it up on his eyes. And the young man goes, and he comes back, certainly has an excuse. I don't have nobody to take me there excuses are like pimples everybody has one someplace you just gotta stop allowing situations and excuses to intimidate you just stop stop them there is nothing greater than truth and there's nothing more powerful than truth when it's mixed with a believer's faith. There are too many of us that are living substandard lives because we have made ourselves a victim. Come on, a victim. And we are not victims. We are overcomers. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We are equipped with nine gifts of the Spirit. We are the anointed of God. 
We are overcomers, praise God. We are those that declare victory in the midst of adverse circumstances. We are those that say no matter what comes our way, we'll not bend, we'll not bow, and we're not going to burn because God is on our side. And we as Christians have to start getting aggressive against these things that so easily, maybe not beset us like sin, but so easily discourage us and hinder us. Hallelujah. Talking about truth mixed with faith changes fact. Come on, it changes fact. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands up towards heaven for a moment. Just lift it up. God is on our side. He is for us. Hallelujah. His love cannot be measured. It cannot be found in depths. It cannot be reached in the heights, the width, and the length of it all. He loves you, and there's not one thing that he has not considered about your outcome of your life. He has made a way of escape before the battle ever began. He made a way of escape before the enemy even thought of having a plan against your life. Couldn't get an amen. Hallelujah, I'm telling you that the devil knows who we are and it's time that you and I find out who we are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This blind man, his eyes were open. I'm thinking Eric and I were in Dallas, Texas. There was this woman. I tell the story because I, it, it's hard for me to believe that God would do such through a mere man. But I'm not a mere man. I'm a child of God. There's nothing mere about me. There's nothing mere about you. But there was this woman, we gave the altar call, and she came up to the altar, and she uh, had a seeing eye dog. And I thought, okay, I wonder what this, I just thought it was one of them, you know, help dogs, whatever. And uh, she comes up and she says, uh, I'd like to uh, have new eyeballs. I said, what do you mean, new eyeballs? She said, well, look. She opened her eyes, stretching with her fingers, and guess what? She doesn't have any eyeballs. It's just white. And I thought to myself, 
this isn't fair. I can pray for a blind eye, but how do you pray for no eyes to see? Well, I prayed for her, and in the middle of that, I asked her a question, what do you see? She said, I see light, I think. And when she said that, the word of the Lord came to me and said, that's the working of miracles. Send her home. So I told her, I said, I know that you're probably thinking I'm blowing you off because lots of people, when they don't see a miracle immediately, they forget that God is working behind the scenes as he did on the fig tree. And it's going to be the way that faith declared it no matter what you're seeing in your moment. And so she says, okay, she goes home. Well, the next year, Eric and I go back and we're preaching and we ask people to come up front for a prayer line, a healing line. And she comes up in the healing line. Now, I don't remember her. But she says, she said, uh, don't you remember me? I said, no. No, I don't. I'm sorry. And uh, she said, I was a lady last year that came here and didn't have any eyeballs. And I asked you to pray for me that God would give me two new eyeballs. She said, you prayed for me, told me to go home. The working of miracles had been set in motion and that God would do what God said he would do. So she said, and when I went home, God gave me two brand new eyeballs. She said, they came and took the dog away. She said, because I can see. She said, so I just want to let you know that God did what you asked God to do. There is nothing impossible to God. And just, just simply take the truth and mix your faith with it. Now, I'm sure that she didn't go out and drive home. I'm sure she didn't go out and you know, buy a hundred pairs of sunglasses. She just went home. And she just allowed God to do what God would do. And God opened that woman's eyes, gave her brand new eyeballs. And uh, I never did get to see him because she was entirely too tall. She was like, I don't know, this tall. And... Uh, so when I laid hands on her, I think I touched her nose. Anyway, and uh, then there is the truth that I think that every Christian needs to be aggressive about, and it has to do with money. Well, money, I, I don't think everybody needs money. Why do you work? Why do you take Social Security? Why do you take retirement? Because you need money. 
You know, there's nothing religious about hating money and being poor. Nothing at all. You know, it amazes me, well, we have a vow of poverty, but then you're selling vegetables, you're taking offerings, you're having used clothing sales. No, you just don't believe that God will give you money. And there's nothing wrong with money. You have to realize the purpose of money is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to help other people. Now, that's the purpose of money. purpose of money is not to build you some false security, and it's not to build you up a nest egg that you simply coast with God and become inactive. You need to be active with your money. Hallelujah. Phyllis tells me, buddy, I can give you $50 for lunch. By the time you get out of church, you're hungry and broke. And that is true. But then she buys my lunch, so God meets my need. Amen? The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. 2 Corinthians 9 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. He gives seed to the sower. And when you sow that seed, the Bible says that the harvest is accredited to your account. Philippians 4, I think it's 20, 21 or 22. It says, I don't want anything from you. I want things to abound to your account. So realize that God gives you seed to mix with your faith so that you can change the fact of you having need to the point that you have an abundance. That you have an abundance. Come on, could I get an amen? You have an abundance. And again, wealth is not a standard of spiritual measurement it is a tool to reach those that have needs and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ now that's what money is for if you let it get anything out of that then you're going to be in trouble keep it where it belongs it is a servant to you and an expression of your stewardship to the kingdom, and to God. Hallelujah. And so, fact. Somebody say fact. Can be changed. With our faith and with truth, it can be changed. Remember, Paul was thrown into prison, him and Silas. And I know that you've heard these stories, but I'm just trying to shake you so that you and I awake to the point that we stop allowing these little foxes to get in and steal the fruit that God wants you and I to have. You know, it's these things that we see that we hate happening in our life that when we don't 
use them, pretty soon they end up vexing us. They make us weary. They wear us out. And we constantly deal with them, constantly deal with them. We constantly sweep them under the rug, put them under the door. We do everything except settle them. And so I just wanted to encourage you today that you take truth, that which Jesus came to give us. Mix it with faith and be victorious. Amen? Hallelujah. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. A fact. A fact. But during that prison stay at midnight, the darkest hour, when it seemed like nothing was going to change, Paul and Silas prayed and began to give praise to God. And when they began to give praise to God, God shook the foundation of those prisons. Now, I'm telling you, if God can shake a natural prison, he can shake all types of spiritual, emotional uh, prisons that keep people bound. Amen? Say, well, I've been hurt in my past. Then deal with it because he is a healer of the brokenhearted. But if you don't apply truth, you're going to find yourself just being tormented by something that everybody else has moved on from. You know, unforgiveness and remembrance of hurts don't affect the people that caused them. They only affect you. The people that caused them are living life. They're happy. They're celebrating. They're in Aruba. And you're constantly vexed because you haven't seen God retaliate against their wrong. Well, God is a little smarter than us. He knows the hearts of men, and he may look at the heart of man and say what was his motive and his intent when it happened. Was he misinformed? Did he not understand? Was he lied to? Was he deceived? Did he have a partial truth? God is so much more merciful than we are. And so, we want them to experience vengeance. We want retribution so that we can feel better about ourselves or so that we have some type of reflection that God has honored our righteousness over theirs. 
Well, you might not get that. And why would you want it? Why would we wish ill upon people that were ignorant of what they did? I plead stupidity all the time. I tell Phil, I, I didn't know. I didn't understand that. You didn't understand that if you buy something on this credit card that we have to pay it off. We have to pay it off? Yes. Well, I didn't understand those facts. She says, how do you buy stuff on Amazon? You didn't have the credit card. I said, I know it, but Amazon's got the number. She said, how'd they get the number? I said, I don't know. They steal identities everywhere. Hallelujah. So, we can plead ignorance. And sometimes many of us are ignorant. Quick judgments, quick announcements, quick wishes. You know, quick, God, this should happen to them. And no, it shouldn't. Because they didn't know. And the mercy and the grace of God is greater than that. Could have get an amen. It's greater than that. Peter, thrown in prison, going to be killed. Acts, the 12th chapter. But the church had a truth. If we pray, God will deliver. And lo and behold, Peter comes out of the prison and comes to the house, the courtyard, where the disciples are praying and he's been set free. I believe that many of us could set our children free like the man in Mark, the ninth chapter, if we would just simply take the truth and put faith with it. Take it and use it because it's been given to you to set people free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you want your family free? Now, let me say this. You are as blessed as I am. Whether your child is tormented, whether your child is struggling with a sickness, a disease, or anything like that. And I don't care the initials, and I don't care about the alphabet letters 
that have described to you what your child is bound by. Because it may be a fact, but it's not the truth. The truth is that God has blessed the seed of the righteous. Now that's the truth of the matter. And so I would encourage you to start speaking what God said over your child. I would encourage you because I am thoroughly convinced that nobody in here has ever had a child that God did not prepare you to provide for, to protect, and to bring through safely to the end of a life. If God gave you a child, he saw every battle. He saw every storm. And what God did was prepare you to bring them through successfully. I don't care what your child is. I, I feel for you. I really do. But you can't live in hopelessness when there is a book of hope. So let's get ourselves dusted off. Let's get our minds renewed. And let's just start living by truth mixed with our faith. Hallelujah. 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 Let's stand our feet today. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Hallelujah. 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 Ma'am, I keep being drawn to you today. And I don't know why, because God has not taken it any further. But I perceive that there is something that you are in desperate need of. And that God is going to resolve the issue. And I'm telling you that the power of God is going to come in. He is a master of cellular structure. He's a master of balancing blood. He is a master of cleansing things that need to be cleansed. And I'm telling you that no matter what people decree and say over you, that they don't speak for God. They don't speak for God. So I want to tell you that God is going to meet that need in a very significant, abundant way. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I just loose right now, Father, that which you have initiated, that faith would be released as we join ours together, that, God, we would see the goodness of the Lord, the goodness 
of the Lord. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Hallelujah. 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 Is there a, a Hector here? Hector, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Okie dokie, hallelujah, hallelujah. All of those that have stomach problems, you just put your hand on your stomach. And uh, where's Ashley? Oh, Ashley, we're going to sing, Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I speak right now to digestive problems, to bowel problems. I speak, God, a resurrection of good, good, good cells in their stomach. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to increase and to balance all things that have to do with digestion and their bowels. And God, I thank you for it. In the name, there's also an egg-sized, uh, I, I would just say that it's a growth or something of that area down here, uh, just about right here. And I don't know what side it's on, but uh, if that's you, uh, just lift your hands up towards heaven. Come on, if you're, that's you, lift your hands up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God, we loose miracles right now upon the people. We loose God transformation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nikki, would you come up after they sing this song? And would you invite people to come and to receive Jesus? As their Savior. Come on, let's and
Father, and you've given each of us a measure of faith. And that faith is enough to apply, to mix with your word, that every mountain in our way shall be moved. Now, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I thank you for these people. Father, we just pray. Um, before we go any further, I just want to take this time to pray over Pastor. He begins treatment on Monday. A little sooner than we thought, but that's okay. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to give an altar call for those of you that might be far from God, for those of you that might not even know God until you came to this service. It is this church's prayer that you would know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and then make a difference with that purpose in this life. That you would not remain the same way that you are. that God's not angry at you. God's not angry with you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. He loves you just the way you are. You know, sometimes people think that we got to get cleaned up to come to church. I got to be honest with you. I'd like for you to brush your teeth and wash your body, but you don't have to be cleaned up spiritually. And you really don't even have to brush your teeth or wash your body. We love you anyways. God says that he would make us fishers of men. He didn't tell us to clean them. He said, just go fish them and catch them. So this service is thrown out to you today to be caught. Will you say yes to the Lord today? Will you say, yes, I came because I need God in a situation in my life that I've realized I can't do this life without him. That's all right. We gave a hook to show that Jesus is hope today. His salvation was purchased at the cross for you and I. We've already been paid for. Your sin can be forgiven today if you would just accept him and choose to make him your savior. None of us came perfect. We were just hooked. And then as time went on, he began to clean us up. Some of us faster than others. Some of us still have things that still need to be cleaned up because we are far from perfect. And in case someone hasn't told you, church is not a place for perfect people. It's a place where people strive to become perfect. <laughs> but there's a lot of us that are broke. So is there anyone in the house today that would say, Pastor Nicole, I want to give my life to Christ. Or I've just fallen off the wagon and I need to come back home. Back home to Jesus. Back home to the one that can continue the work that he started, the continuing and beginning work. Is there anyone in the house today? Anyone that would be brave enough? Anyone that would say yes to Jesus today? If your hand is up, I'm going to ask that you come down front today if there's anybody balcony. I'm struggling seeing you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you today. Now, Lord, you see what battle has ensued upon this church, Father, against our pastor. Now, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you've equipped us with every promise that we need in our tool belt. Father, we ready ourselves for the battle that's ahead. 
Father, we ready ourselves for others and we ready ourselves for ourselves. God, for the own battles that are in our lives. Father, for we will not be undiligent in the things of the word, but God, we will go to the word and find the promise on which we will stand. Now, Father, I just thank you that he goes into treatment on Monday. Father, that everything that treatment is supposed to do, it would do. Every side effect, every bad thing, I command you, devil, to take your hand off of it. It will do that which has been purposed by God to do in his body. It will cleanse the blood. It will bring healing and health to his body. Father, it may not be the journey that we decided, but God, we've chose to go with you. We trust that your hand is upon every move. God, your thoughts are in every doctor's mind. Your thoughts are in every nurse that would touch our pastor and our, my father, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are cleansing his blood even as we speak. Father, that you are giving us wisdom. Father, you said if any man lacks it, that he would ask and you would give it to him liberally. Now, Father, we're asking for the wisdom of God as we go through these treatments. And, Father, that your hand would be with us. Father, and this is enemy that has come against us, that has come against our pastor, that has come against this church right now. We bind you, devil. We serve you. Notice right now we tack it on the door of our hearts that you will be and have been defeated. But we will remind you that you are under our feet in the name of Jesus. And Father, we stand strong no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter what negativity. Father, put a guard upon our hearts. Put a guard upon our lips. Father, that we would only speak the truth, the word of God. Father, that you are the truth. That, that is what we speak, Father. We don't speak the facts, but Lord, we live with the truth of God. And we will exercise our God-given right as sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name. Now, if there be anyone in this house that would like to receive you, our prayer team is going to come down right now. And we are here to pray if there's any sickness in your body. If you want to accept Christ, if you want to rededicate your life, just come on down and our prayer team is going to be here to receive you. And if not, we will see you on Wednesday night. Church, we love you, and we'll see you then. Have a good one.